0: All right. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Producing Director Nathaniel Quinn. Uh, I'm here today with Frank A. O'Terry, the playwright for Always With a Bang. How are you doing this morning, Frank, this afternoon? I am awake, and
1: <laughs> so so it's good things I guess going on. Right? Upright? Yeah. Eyes are open? Doing good? Yep. i well, all the right number of animals, so that's... <laughs>
0: Well, I want to take a moment, uh, because the way that our podcast works and you and I have talked back and forth in, in several other meetings, uh, Wolverine Reads, we know is all about celebrating new plays and playwrights. So what I would like, if you don't mind, is take a few minutes to celebrate you, um, and what you love about what you do, uh, as a playwright, a little bit about your educational background and maybe one boring thing about yourself. Excellent.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we get the boring thing out of the way, it's, it's the, the animals. Uh, there are three <laughs> of them. Uh, 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 Baby Blue is my oldest cat. She's 17 now. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's she's a cranky old woman at this point. It's adorable. Uh, <laughs> and then I have my 11 and a half year old uh, rescue dog named Bubba Bella. And she's a nice handful. She's been around for the last four years in this house at least. Uh, nice part rottweiler part something else and then my third cat is general zaza meow and she's five i think uh nice and she's she's the largest cat i own she's really just gotten out of control during covid she hasn't been
0: (laughs) handling it very well at all um so definitely a food bowl. uh when your pets get the covid 20 or covid 15 you know you're in trouble yeah exactly exactly uh we're both dieting at this point,
1: but <laughs> not, not in uh, any concrete ways, I guess. So we should probably get to it. But yeah, that's the boring thing. I have three pets. They're awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and there were a bunch of other questions. Uh,
0: what, yeah, what, yeah. What, what do we got there? Uh, uh, Just uh, like I said, it's because... It's this podcast is all about the celebration of yeah. the work celebration. So, you know, it's, it's take a moment, celebrate yourself. What is your background in theater? What is your education in theater? What drew you to, to theater itself? And then we'll branch out from there into other, other elements. I stumbled into it. Um, I was, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. I was,
1: um, in the army from 1997 to 2001. And when I got out of the army, I moved to Pueblo, Colorado, uh, because I had been stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado and went to basic training with someone uh, who lived in Pueblo. So I actually went down there and uh, worked for like a year and a half before I was able to go to school uh, and then went to community college. And I was Mm -hmm. gonna go and uh, initially get, work towards a creative writing degree. Uh, But my wonderful father convinced me that no one can be a writer. Uh, and I can't be a writer especially so I better go and learn something that I can use Uh, and I went and got a journalism degree (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is like the most dead and awful environment I guess at this point Uh, journalism is is a horrible horrible uh, occupation in, in in the current world so I'm kind of glad that I haven't Didn't follow through with that. I mean, I got the degree, but I didn't get the job. Uh, Sure. But in the process, I decided I was going to get my creative writing minor and take as many creative writing courses as I could. Uh, I transferred to the university, and I was working on the school newspaper there. And I found a playwriting class. Um, Took it. I was dating a woman at the time, and she ended up being... A theater major in Ohio. (laughs) Uh, And I was having difficulty with the teacher. Like it was um, photocopy pages instead of a textbook or anything like that. Okay. Uh, And it was more reading of a play and barely discussing it. And then, hey, you're going to write a scene. Uh, So it wasn't really about like the craftsmanship of writing. Uh, And so my uh, lady I was with at the time hooked it up with uh, a different type of education uh, in terms of writing. And when she moved up, I followed her and she got into stage managing. And so when she got into stage managing, I followed her again and got into uh, running lights and mm-hmm. uh, working backstage and watching a lot of plays.
0: Uh, and Sometimes time, that foot in the door makes all the difference, right? Well, and it was just a
1: different type of education. You know, yeah. you're able
0: to... See, And in the
1: case where I was working, uh, it was a theater that did a lot of classics comparative to modern theater. Uh, Sure, sure. So it was an opportunity to see like what worked, what didn't, what audiences reacted to, how they reacted to them, Uh, things to avoid as a writer in so many ways. Uh, Like at one point they did, God, what was that play? Auntie Mame, my Lord. Uh, so many blackouts and anti mame That play is just like blackout after blackout after blackout. <laughs> after blackout. Uh, and it went for, on for like three hours because of it. The blackouts were so long, and I was like, "You can't do that as a playwright. Uh, you can't." Not anymore. That. Your no, audience can't. Doesn't have the patience for it, for sure. Not, not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and and it, it hurts the performance when those things aren't coordinated in, in a way to make them brief. So You're losing momentum in all of these blackouts at the same time, right? You know, and, and losing attention and losing everything. Uh, so it really kind of influenced me in that sense and gave me a different viewpoint of, of what I think of blackouts and fluidity and set and and uh ways to operate in these levels, you know. Um, so that's kind of where I got the background uh, in education. It wasn't much in, in school, it was really in watching plays and working in the background of them because uh, I never went, went on stage. Sure. It's not my thing. Uh, you
0: but, know, I think yeah. that's one of the things that you and I have in common. I mean, I continued and, and, and shelled out and still owe gajillions of dollars for my education. But the best part of the theater education I've received is working in hands-on and out somewhere. It's, uh, I just uh, recently interviewed for a teaching position at a college in this area and had that same conversation where they were like, well, what kind of acting style do you teach? You know, that's really only important at the university level. Out in the real world, no director cares. Do you do yeah. your job or not? Yeah,
1: and, and that's the real question, right? Can you do your job or not? And as a writer, it's uh, it's interesting because you can learn yeah. how to write from a billion different places. And, and most of the courses I took were poetry. Uh-huh. And I wrote a ton of poetry before I ever wrote
0: anything in theater.
1: Uh-huh. And short stories, and just every type of writing, you know. And so, it's like and I think
0: that really shows through in your writing, at least in the two shows of yours that I've read, is just how fluid all of the language is. It doesn't necessarily have this light, airy like we tend to imagine poetry should be. Those those of us that don't live in that world, but the language that your your characters use is just so light, and it flows so beautifully, and it's it's the words themselves are alive before they even leave the actor's mouth. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. It, now that you say that, and that the, you have a background in, in creative writing and poetry in that manner, it makes so much sense why, why your worlds work the way they do.
1: Yeah, and I love my little worlds.
0: And, and, and I like <laughs> the, the, the
1: combination of dialogue and rhythm and- uh, Absolutely just language in and of itself i think like the the, the the thing that most writers have in common whether they want to admit it or not is just that they are lovers of language yeah but they should be uh if you're not then, then what are you doing <laughs> writing? Like, i really don't understand at that point you know but it's it's like it's the same thing for, for where do you draw your inspiration from where do you learn there are a billion different writers to learn from it's not just the yeah. other people uh I, a lot of the ones that I enjoy listening to the combination of their words are songwriters. Uh, you know, oh, for sure. Can, for sure. Yeah. Towns Van Sant. Amazing songwriter. Uh, combination of words are just shockingly simple and beautiful. Uh, Leonard Cohen a similar way. You know, it's just across the board. These cats are, are, are amazing.
0: Uh, yeah. So you don't
1: need to find inspiration or how to write just from playwrights. You can find it from everywhere. Uh so that's a lot of the, the, the play, right, portion. It took, it took a long time you know, and I still think I'm uh, because of the lack of education and the formal sense of this is how you do things, uh, catching up on stuff and then trying to understand why things work. Uh, I was working on a particular scene where it was a lot of like tension in it and rising tension. Uh mm-hmm. And my language started getting shorter, and my scene started getting shorter, and the pace of things started accelerating. Uh, and it worked. And I was like, well, but I don't understand why it works. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so still connecting those dots is a little bit, uh, and I guess they don't need to be connected, but uh, it, it's something that I'm still working on, uh, uh, learning to how to write and, and why these things are effective to be able to replicate it moving forward. Uh, Of course, it is a a constant challenge.
0: Well, I think I want to come back. I'm going to try to come back and recognize two things that you've said, because I want to make sure, particularly if there's any young playwrights or even old playwrights or vetted play, more veteran playwrights that are listening to this, that come back. And because you say, you know, your lack of education does this and allowed you to do these things. Um, But one of the favorite, one of my favorite things that I've learned, and this is an immediate connection that I make every time I hear this, is that if. I have this air quote, lack of education in how we're supposed to do this, how this functions. What that means is I don't know what the rules are so they don't matter. And that is incredibly freeing. I mean, I, I know that it's frustrating on one side but if you don't know the rules, you don't know that you're breaking them if they're really there to be broken. Yeah. And 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 by that same token, I also wanna come back and recognize how important it is uh, that you're looking at, you, like you've said, uh, that that your influences come from everywhere, not just playwriting and not just television or screenwriting. That it's well, how does this music, how does this lyricist work? And I don't when I say that I don't mean musicals necessarily. You could definitely find influence there, but songwriters, uh, prose, poetry, and that you're looking at and pulling from all of these different elements. I think that's so wonderful to to remind playwrights and actors and directors, really, is to look at all of this and how language works itself. No, oh, and the idea of being able to
1: break all the rules and, and um, create in a different way it is it's really interesting. With, the, with Always With a Bang, uh, in particular, when I first wrote it, it was intentionally written to never be staged. Um, it was brutal beyond anything I've ever written no one would want it in the condition that it was uh and it was intentionally that way i just gotten done with uh, an experience with another theater where I had kind of lost the play or lost the direction of it um and it was in a developmental sense and I was just a young playwright and listening to too many voices and trying to please too many people
0: sure sure I understand that for sure Yeah, and and it made
1: it so that, like, when I was further developing that play, uh, it was no longer in the direction that was in the the best that would benefit the play itself. It was me trying to win something. Uh, And I was really frustrated at that because I didn't win. And because, and not only did I didn't win, but I didn't have a play anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I was like, well, I'm just going to write something that no one's going to touch. And it's just going to be mine. Uh, and I had gone through a weird time in life where it was, uh, I don't want to get into the details of it, but like something tragic sure. happened to someone that was involved in my life. And uh, it was, it made me think of uh, the people who are adjacent to uh, monsters mm-hmm. and the people who know them in a very different way than mm-hmm. the, the violent acts they commit uh And so th- that was like the birthplace of always with the bank. I'm gonna write these people who are uh, awful who have done awful things and I'm going to try and make it so that they're seen beyond the the, the, the violent acts that they commit uh, and then that the audience in return will feel something for them once they realize what they've actually done.
0: Well, that's one of the the big themes that we capitalized on, or that I I chose to to dive into as a director with this is is uh, like these these two characters aren't inherently bad. I don't think in any way, shape, or form. But it's so easy, like you're saying, to take this this action that each of them has committed, and and it is they are heinous heinous actions. Mm-hmm. But when you step back and have to, when you actually don't, when you don't get just the headline. And you actually get the chance to look back at what the surrounding uh, situation is. What shaped these characters into the? What pushed these two characters into the corners that forced them? Forced their hand. Yeah, and it's amazing what we do in desperation.
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's the, the the position that we get put in in many cases where you never know what someone is capable of. Um, anyone is capable of committing violent acts uh, or uh acts of extreme kindness as well uh it, mm-hmm. it really d- depends on the scenarios that they're in uh and so with with bang it was intending to have these characters and to have that and that it create something that no one's going to want to touch uh and i did it was it was Something and then else. I ruined it for you. No, no, uh, no. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I sobered up because uh, I was uh, horrendous drunk for a while. And uh, when I did, I had a collection of plays that are incomplete, can't be staged. And then the next idea was, well, I have this thing and I, I, now I want to take it back to a level where it can be staged. And so you have this thing that broke all the rules and was nothing that an audience would want to see and can attach to and, and, and uh, that a theater would want to put on. Mm-hmm. And it's how do you bring it back to uh, something that is presentable, that is within the rules in many ways? Uh, right. And and, and it is able to be staged if someone desires to put it on. Yeah. Uh, and to learn and more.
0: Yeah, it was it fun. Looking at how to break those rules, I, I think about, and I was actually talking with some of the cast from this show about this. A couple of years ago, I was at a conference and we watched this production and I was with a whole bunch of undergraduate students. And it was all about the the main, I don't remember the entirety of the show. So it that kind of tells you, it's a new play. It was a new play and that kind of tells you a little bit about it. But what I do remember is that it was about the now this is before trump was elected president so it was about what was going on at the u.s mexico border and and illegal immigrants violently forcing their way into the u.s and as the show progresses i again i don't remember everything about it what i do remember at some point is a bunch of of instigators break into this facility where there's people are being kept, you know, and I, when I say facility, I mean, similar to to our detention centers as they currently are along the border and start shooting things up. And it's never clear if they're, if they're Caucasian, if they're Latino, or Mexican, we don't know, but in the process, uh, the they're very clearly uh, staged weapons are pointed out into the audience while the strobe and, and gunfire fires off. And <laughs> and, and right, so it was one of those things where the undergrad students that I was with were furious. I can't believe they allowed them to do this. You never do this. You don't, you don't. This terrified everybody. It sent people into, you know, one student was like, I had PTSD because of that show. Okay. I'm, I empathize with you. I don't know what, how, how or why you have PTSD from this, but okay. I can't tell you your feelings are wrong. What I do remember is how powerful that message was to go, "Hey, you feel safe in this theater, whether we're talking about this or this or this. You're not. Yeah. And it yeah. was incredibly powerful. But I think a lot of students at the time didn't understand because they were they had no life experience outside of the safety of high school. And then, you yeah, know, well, it's, it's
1: the safety of high school anymore. Uh, correct. America. Yeah. You know, so it's like the 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 PTSD that people are feeling. It's not even PTSD sometimes from their own life. It's PTSD from the larger world and from consuming right. all of the, the, the stories of this horrendous world that we choose to in many ways uh, wish away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, instead of actually doing anything about it, you know, instead of actually looking at the 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 the, the, the things behind it and the causes of, of why. This world mm-hmm. is in many ways unsafe, you know? Uh, it, 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 the, the number of ways that we've been shown lately how unsafe this world is. Uh, right. correction the, the just... in January, freaking uh, COVID itself, uh, all of yeah. this stuff, it, it is just a continuation of how
0: horrifying it is and how-, how Well, and I don't you know, know if how you how saw- I don't know, it's interesting. I mean, we... In the last month, there's been what two shootings down in Colorado, in your neck of the woods, almost. Yeah, and and in between those two shootings, like even so, we look at at um, oh my, at Lillian, and we go, oh, this poor fifteen-year-old girl. There's no way she's actually done these things because she's only fifteen. And then we see this this I th- I think I'm going to get the location wrong, so I'm going to leave it out. The sixth grade, the little girls, the the little. Yeah, the sixth grade girl who who shot up her school and, and killed two and injured five.
1: You're like, well, that's sixth grade.
0: You're what, 10, 11 years old at that point. What? What? Yeah, uh,
1: we are. Um, and, and it's the interesting thing about theater in and of itself because I think that that a lot of these issues get to be discussed in a different way than it is mm-hmm. the other platforms a lot. Uh, so we get to really examine some of the elements behind it or or take an in-depth look into
0: you know and it's um, it's we force needed. people to look at it in a way that's safe and isn't all at the same time
1: yeah and
0: uh, the safety of it you know and it's the interesting thing like with the one the gun one
1: that you're talking about uh, me personally as a writer I would never write that I understand right. why they wrote it you know you're trying to elicit an emotion but there are other emotions that you can take people through And that's like the goal of writing um and it's kind of why i feel like comedies are cheap uh because you're just chasing one thing you're chasing a laugh uh you have to you have to break a little bit of heart in there if Mm -hmm. you want to be effective or you have to 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 challenge the people so that you think that uh they will fail miserably or something like that you know but it's the spectrum of emotions and to be able to to elicit a response uh without that kind of spectacle i guess uh man that that is a powerful thing uh but it's, yeah. it's a powerful thing to elicit response to begin with and, and the reasoning for the for the that i would never uh, have like the guns pointing at the the audience and even if i'm not mistaken i don't i don't remember with the play itself um does caleb ever
0: shoot his gun on stage he does not the way you have it scripted he does not yeah uh, I, have a, I have a question for you about that because I know what I would like to do if I was staging this live, but that would definitely be a conversation with you as the playwright in that event. but No,
1: and it's, uh, it's
0: interesting. and that was off
1: of conversations with other people and discussing uh, depictions of violence because it's a violent play, and I'm not trying to mm-hmm. glorify violence with any of the things that I write but they have violent elements to it and it's because of this it's more of a reflection of the society we're in as opposed to um, of course something else yeah I'm not it, it, it's interesting uh, violence is a is a very strange thing and uh, the responses that we get from people who have experienced it and uh, are, are seeing it in those kinds of manners are interesting as well uh, so it's just that uh, then we're not a place where we're in deep need of society having access to mental health. <laughs> yes, yes. Professionals yeah, on a consistent basis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, on, on yeah, yeah, well, happy, sort of, gonna, so. yeah, listen, on, if we could all have that, that mental health access and move forward and live in a, a better heart and headspace. I think one of those things to tie that together are guilty pleasures. So my question to you then is, as, as a theater audience member, what are your guilty pleasures? What, what shows do you like to go see when you have the time, when things are up and running?
1: <laughs> um, originals. New ones. Uh, my favorite theater is Bumport Theater. Them cats are freaking crazy and they do shit that is absolutely amazing. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones goes to the opera alone was like one of the craziest freaking plays that I've ever seen in my life. But six foot puppet of, six foot tall puppet of Tommy Lee Jones being operated <laughs> by three people, three people, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then the, 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 they start having like the operators of the puppet within the play of Tommy Lee Jones, uh, they start having like issues in terms of their own relationships and begin to abandon their jobs. So <laughs> finally, only one of the puppeteers is left, you know, because like one puppeteer has a crush on another and the other one is like sitting there watching them and is jealous because, oh, it was amazing. Um, it was just absolutely amazing. The, the, the things that they put on there, they their beautiful warped minds. Uh, it's highly entertaining. It's the best, best right? offices I've ever seen in my life.
0: Um, Well, that's, I'm, I'm right there with you. I love, 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 love new plays, new works. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing this the way that I am because you don't know what you're going to get. And even when it's not good, that's of course uh, uh, dependent on each individual audience member, but it's, it's still exciting because no one has seen it before, or it's not, it's not a, it's not an end of the woods or a Mary Poppins or or things that are out there and we see all the time.
1: No, and they're Colorado. You know, uh, they are here. They are they are
0: artists from here. They are artists
1: that are working here, living here, and breathing here. Yeah, and and, and um, it's one thing, to, and they're creating here. You know, so it, it's it's um one of the few avenues for. You know, they do their own thing. They're not sitting there and like, hey, all Colorado playwrights, I'm going to put your stuff on. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's one of the only opportunities where you get to see Colorado uh, plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, there aren't a lot of theaters that are Colorado focused or uh, especially from a playwright perspective. You know, so I think that that's, uh, that's one of the things that really attracts me to me
0: that. We're trying, we're uh, trying.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and there are a couple. Uh, Theater 29 was new and doing some things before uh, COVID. And then uh, a lot of these theaters were really uh, trying to put on festivals and, and, and attempting to do it through that route, which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, it's something, you know, uh, winners get 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 the prizes, and it's not really uh, about the development of plays, which I really wish that the focus was on a little bit more. Sure. Uh, that that playwrights, a lot of playwrights seem to be floating out there and coming up with some good stuff and, and are ready to take the next step in there writing careers and there's just not an avenue for them here in order to do that it's a lonely spot um and i would love to see them get more opportunities because those opportunities weren't around in, in vast quantities when i was beginning at this stuff right so it's 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 pretty wild out there but yeah i like the uh, i'm into the the colorado side of things and being able to see uh colorado artists and, and writers and their work uh, As the main part um, mm-hmm. for my theater stuff. Uh, I hate musicals. Like I hate. <laughs> uh, so that maybe hating on musicals is a guilty pleasure. Uh,
0: that's just because the songs suck. I I don't disagree with you. It's yeah. It, I, it, I work at companies. That I absolutely love the people I work with. I'm grateful and thankful that I have a job, but some of the places I work are musical. It's that's all it is, and it's like,
1: well, okay. Yeah, and it's not nothing in the bag. I mean, I love uh, I love the fact that people enjoy them uh, and, and get joy from them, and that's and specific. they sell they sell tickets yeah. and keep us employed, and and yep. and it's I am very uh, f- I just like my music separate from my theater. Sure, uh, that's all you know, and I'm a concert. At, goer i go to a
0: ton of shows uh but it's there are a a small <laughs> handful of of musicals that draw me in the same way a straight play does i'll 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 see if i if i don't forget by the time we're done i'll send one to you that you may or may not enjoy based on our uh conversations back and forth but i I won't promise anything but it's one of those that within five minutes of the show starting i was like a child on saturday morning
1: yeah and it's it's funny because like there are exceptions and it's it's not uh, theater exceptions like i like i love disney movies um an animated disney musical uh holy cow you're out there dude. Uh, Mary Poppins, like the original Mary Poppins on TV, I will watch the crap out of that show. Um, <laughs> but it, but like the the that's about the extent. Like I really like it on the, a different format, I guess. Sure. Uh, and it's more believable <laughs> when it comes from a cartoon. <laughs> uh, which is insane,
2: something.
0: Uh, <laughs> Real life, not a chance. Cartoons, I am in. I sing your ass off, little cartoon guy. Makes <laughs> total sense.
1: Uh, and, uh, I guess that's uh, the the where our imaginations let us go, right? Sure. Uh, the believability of people singing and 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 just letting it be like that in, in a realistic way, where I can attach to it, versus uh, a cartoon singing and me being like, "That's
0: absolutely realistic. I can attach to it." <laughs> Well, I'm gonna change gears a little bit again, cause I'm curious for you. So we've talked about your background as a playwright, what inspires you as a playwright. Um, so I'm curious for you with the collaborative process of, of working with a director, how, and in, in my experience in, in working with you and, and I hope it's reciprocated. And if not, I've done a horrible, horrible thing to your work. Um, how is it for you as you work with a new play and a director as it's slowly brought to life through the rehearsal process? Can you explain what that is like for you and how you choose to collaborate with directors? Um, I
1: choose to be hands off as much as possible. I choose to, uh, I hope that the work stands for itself. Once it gets to the stage, it can't be like, you love it. And, uh, it's easy to be heartbroken by it, you know? So you have to be able to detach in many ways and, and just go on to the next project. Uh, I've only had a, a couple, a handful of projects where it's uh, I've, it's gone through an actual rehearsal process. Like I've never had a, a full production of one of my full length plays still. Uh, hmm. And so I've never sat through it. Uh, I've had a couple okay. development opportunities. Uh, and and that was interesting uh
0: well that's one thing uh, you know one thing another thing i would really like to celebrate about working with you as a playwright director i know i know our rehearsal process is short because of how we choose to format in a podcast setting where where we have that little bit of freedom to work that way but working with you was always great because it was a small touch and hey how does this sound is there anything that's sounding strange excuse me, how far off have I, have we missed the mark with anything and having that wonderful feedback, like, oh, no, I've made some notes for myself, but it's not anything that you guys are doing. It's now how it hits my ear in this way. And I like this, or I don't like this. So that was just something that I, I wanted to make sure to celebrate with you, that that was so wonderful to work with you as opposed to a playwright that was like, no, this line should sound this way. I don't know why, you know, and the opposite of, and and a playwright who is super hands-on. No, nah, so thank and, you. Uh, the 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 actors and directors find unique things within each
1: piece. Uh, Bang is probably the one that I've heard the most, just between classes at DCPA and mm-hmm. being able to hear it out loud. In pieces that like rough draft playwrights, and uh, we did a presentation of it at Theater Twenty Nine two years kind of so, ago, maybe. Um, and that was stage reading. And so I've heard it a lot. Uh, and, and with each performance and each set of actors, there's a different thing that is brought out. Um, this one in particular, for me, it was the, the there was a lot of humor uh, that I hadn't heard uh, in in previous performances. Uh, where, where previous performances, they, they really laid on, to To the uh, trauma portion of it, uh, there is a very—I don't want to say very funny—but there's a dark humor behind some of the stuff that's going on in that play, and some of the lines and just banter, I guess. And uh, they found unique ways and different ways to to bring that out that I hadn't heard before. Uh, and I, I, I really appreciate that, you know. And, and, and if I was, or if any writer is, is needing to line read, <laughs> <laughs> so that their work can be conveyed in the way that they think it should be conveyed, uh, they need they get some attachment issues, uh, and it's frustrating, you know, because you want it to sound the way that you want it to be, uh, but you also have to trust that the work in and of itself is going to find unique ways because it's, it's alive. Once Mm -hmm. it gets to that portion, you know, it, it, it gets this, an an additional lifetime in a different form. Mm -hmm. You are the one that does the page. They're the ones that do the stage. Yeah. And, 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 uh, in that lifetime, it's going to just become something else. And occasionally, it's not going to be what you want. And occasionally, it's going to exceed anything you ever imagined. And hopefully, a lot of the time, it's similar to what you wrote. Uh, But on any given night, an actor is going to drop a line. Uh, Something's going to happen. I was working lights on a production of Romeo and Juliet. And fucking Romeo was climbing the fucking... Trellis or whatever to get to Juliet's balcony and right. it broke. And oh dude, no. Yeah, dude, just like crash right on the stage. And I'm oh, like, no. like, what dead do you do? In the, in the audience, and I'm like ready to die in the booth. I was like, this is fucking amazing. How are they going to recover from this? Right. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's like, it definitely wasn't like Shakespeare's worst night, but it was something. <laughs> You know, nothing he ever imagined was going to happen right? to his play. Uh, and sometimes it's just not, sometimes the, the balcony crashes, man. Uh, another playwright told me at some point, because I'd sat through audience feedback. <laughs> I was in the audience for feedback three days in a row. And the motherfuckers hated my play. Uh, like they hated a moment of it. and and really had issues with that moment Hmm. um and it was an awful joke that is meant to depict 18 year old males in 1997 and it really does depict 18 year old males in 1997 very distinct way sure Um, and they thought that the the language was offensive and so it turned into like arguments with old people uh about this I've been in those talkbacks before. Yeah. yeah, and I just sat there like listening to it and listening to these people like saying things about me and about my writing and about my characters and just took the, the entire beating. And at the end of it, uh, my playwright friend came up to me and she was like, you don't have to be there. You let someone else listen to that crap, take notes and hand it to you. You don't sit in the room. Like That's just like, Something beyond. And I think that that's the same way with productions. Uh, Like if it's a development opportunity, that's a different thing. You're sitting in the room and you're having discussions, going through it. If if they are putting on a production of your show, man, what do you really have to to say? Like, other than is it in the script?
0: Because if it's in the script, they did it right. If it's not, they didn't do it right. That's it. I wonder about that a lot. And, and there are something as a director that I enjoy and appreciate about a talkback like that. But there are some instances where like what you're saying, it, it if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, it becomes an analytical, a critical analysis of the playwright's writing instead of what the director and the actors chose to do with that writing, in a in a way that's not the story that they chose to tell. Um, I'm thinking Um, about a show in particular I did a couple years ago that, that had very racial undertones to it, but I did it, you know, in an area where cultural diversity isn't a big thing. It was, you know, 95% Caucasian. And so they didn't, they, the audience and the talkback danced around. Well, I don't understand why this was a thing. Why is this a thing? Why is this a thing? Because the character is of color yeah well yeah but you didn't have to cast her of color no i yeah. did because the playwright requested demanded it and it yeah. makes you have to think about this well i think that's just a terrible choice on the playwright's part and there's the issue of the play yeah and for they did want to hear it yeah
1: for people who in their own lives don't have room for that conversation for their own reasons right that's that's mm-hmm be truthful about it in that sense. Um, it's interesting, like, because, um, and especially with what's been happening in theater, and uh, theater's a weird place right now. Uh, it's been a weird place for a number of years, and I recognized that a while back, and I really thought that the movement would be from women, and it was gonna be a woman-led movement, and they were going to be like, well, why don't we get decent roles? Why don't we have places of power in the theater? Why aren't our playwrights being represented in in, in uh, equivalent ways?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and it never happened. But as a playwright, I was very aware that I needed to begin to write and that it's a, it's a requirement to be able to write female leading roles. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and to really be able to dig into... Female characters, uh, and then this year, this past year, happens, and it had nothing to do with females, and it had mm-hmm. everything to do with race and representation, and and, and positions of power, and uh, positions in theater in general, uh, and where the money goes, and everything about it, yep. everything, about it, yep. because we are not in a. Uh, 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 an equitable business currently. Uh, it is extremely white heavy and, and with the plays that they decide to put on with the people yeah. that are putting them on. Um, and so it's really up to, it's important for the playwright, more, more important than ever to clearly define the characters that they are putting on stage. It's no longer, are you able to say that this character has no race that this character is a universal character because that does not exist.
0: So I have a question for you. Yeah, um, and this is an
1: older play, so I like I didn't get into like sure with with bang. I didn't have the opportunity to develop it in that kind of sense, you know, because uh, I didn't get into this kind of mentality until mm-hmm. uh, like a year and a half ago, a year, ago. Uh, year ago, year ago, year ago, probably be more accurate. Uh, where we have to be better at this. It's our job. And so uh, I, I commend you actually on like the, the, the putting that play on because, and, and making the people uncomfortable because it's needed. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 we can't just put on, you can't take it with you uh, and, yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and and pretend everything's okay. Well, let me fire this question at you, and I asked, because I was just on a panel where we discussed this uh, at the University of Wyoming. Uh, is it how comfortable are you as a as a Caucasian male writing a character of color, and as a playwright? Now, this may get a little more philosophical than we want to go 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 terribly down the rabbit hole into. So, if you don't, that's totally fine. Um, to write a, a character of color or a lgbtq character where that may or may not be your uh identifiers is because there's a huge discussion about that right now is this oh so i hear what you're saying and i'm not taking a dig at you in any way shape or form i absolutely agree it's also trying to wrap my head around how do we support how do i individually support this and and one of the things that came up in this panel was this question if we're all a bunch of you know caucasian individuals is it our job to to tell a story of a person of color or a, a for lack of a better term a minority or do we sit back and and wait and try to support and lift up those individuals and hope that their work comes out it's all of it right um as writers you have a
1: responsibility uh to to depict the world that you would love to imagine on stage that's that's your job as the writer uh, so if I have a story that and I, uh, I've gotten into this with a couple of people and I'm approaching it and uh, uh, it's extra work and it's good work so it, it makes it so that you uh,
0: I like that extra and good you have to want to do is, is the best way to
1: describe it and, and to give up hmm, it's not giving up to, to, to include others in, in this process. I wrote a play named, called Charlie. Uh, Charlie is a wonderful little story about uh, the future in which a generation of children are being born with superpowers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the government knows this and they had been exterminating the, the children and in some cases, the mothers. Uh, oh, wow came up with a test to, to detect the gene. Uh, okay. So when uh, a child had an active gene they in in this test, when a fetus, I guess, had an active gene, they would exterminate the, the, the mother and the child um, prior to the, the baby being born. In some cases, the baby was born and it would show later and then they would kill the kid, okay? Mm-hmm. New administration comes in. and the new administration decides that they don't wanna kill mothers and children anymore. Uh, but they're just going to watch, keep an eye. Okay. Uh, and so I'd written it and just wrote it and I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and then George Floyd gets murdered. I take probably the next like four months trying to figure out what happens now. This is like what, at the same point of like when theater started having its own reckoning, mm-hmm. uh, and how do we move forward as a writer? How do I move forward as a writer in a world where, because I write issue-driven plays, you know, a, a lot of the sure. time. Sure, sure, I, I love the news. The news is my my home. And, and if <laughs> I'm going to try and start talking about something, um, and many times I do something like Charlie, where it's like I get to talk about race, but I'm not talking about race. You know, I'm talking about little, little superpowered kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and government overreach on on, on the tracking of these people on on their lives on everything about them you know and it's like uh, so I can do it that way or I can take the steps that are needed to bring it to a play that is clearly defined as these characters being African American what does that mean you know and I went and I did a rewrite and I passed it by uh, an African-American playwright that I know and love and, and I asked her for her feedback on it and she said, you know, Frankie you, you you tried but you have elements in this that are still left over from like extremely Eurocentric you and that if you want to go full in you're going to have to address a couple things like, like uh, uh, originally there was a, a statue of shit, I'm going to forget my Greek gods here <laughs> But it was like a statue of some Greek person who uh, was, was, was loved by another Greek person. And, and this black person is sitting there and looking at it and admiring it and, and, and talking to it in a sense of look at you now that you've grown old and you're not pretty anymore. And, and like talking to it in, in this almost worshipy way. Okay, And she was like, we have our own religions. And if you take this from being this white God and you bring it to uh, one of ours.
0: I gotcha. Took it, me a minute yeah. to catch up there with yeah. the euro. Yeah, I'm yeah. right there with you now. Okay.
1: No, and so, so so I had to go that extra step of listening to someone and talking to them and really figuring out details of it. And it's a lot of like, I guess it would be dramaturgy, right? right. Uh, but, but we got to a point where I had like nine pages of fucking notes, and I'm sitting there looking at all the things that we had talked about. And I was like, well, shit, dude, if I incorporate all this stuff, I am just stealing her ideas without acknowledging her as a human being or as a contributor mm-hmm. on this project. So then I had to come to terms with that and what that means to me as an individual. And to me as an individual, I'm not okay with that. And so I asked her if she would like to collaborate on this change and work on it in that sense. And it turned into this partnership that we worked on it for probably a good I want to say like five months nice. of a rewrite, you know, and uh, that was the first play that I was really intentionally doing things with, with, with uh, race and sexuality. And Nava has a little bit of sexuality in, in terms mm-hmm. of gender issues or uh, 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 not really gender issues. That's wrong terminology. Sorry. Uh, but it has a bit of it. And that was like my first dipping of the toe in that. And, and now on, uh, another play where it's, uh, what's the name of this one? The Isolation of Tayana Jones. Uh, and it is about a black trans woman who every single time she experiences a personal trauma, there's a larger ripple in the, the world of like tragedy. So her personal traumas cause these incidents of tragedy. Uh, a butterfly effect almost almost yeah okay uh and she locks herself away for 40 years and, and uh it's this fucking beautiful play well, in my opinion it's a beautiful play you know and is it my story to tell i don't know if it's my story to tell um i have no clue but i and is it done and no it's not done because it hasn't been developed through the proper avenues to be able, and the work hasn't been done, to make sure that, I, that the representation is correct, that everything's in a respectful way, that I am honoring as opposed to portraying for my own benefits, like the
0: glorification of guns and violence, you know, it's the same kind of thing, same kind of work. Uh, I like that so, that idea on, of honoring instead of, of portraying. I think yeah. that's one of the, I th- I think that's a strong point, and I w- I'm going to steal that from you if you don't mind, so that when I do come back and you know and am invited to another panel or have this conversation elsewhere, that I could look at it and say as a director, my job is to honor instead of. Uh, 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 yeah, president. and what
1: does that mean? Um, you know, it means bringing in the right people. It means when you are going to have it's not only the actors, but when the actors are. are looking into their characters and trying to get the experience to fully understand, even the, the white actors, especially, that you're bringing mm-hmm. in people to talk who, who, who are from these cultures that you're trying to represent stories from, right? Um, and that you're making sure that you're, that it's a, a, as diverse uh, uh, an artistic crew putting it on as possible um and, well and that was
0: just like by that same token that show i was talking about a minute ago that's the same kind of thing with the, the one of the gals who i love and have worked with multiple times uh played an older passive aggressively racist woman and, and every once in a while in rehearsals we'd have that conversation well i just don't think that this is racist and i'm not sure why we're, we're leaning into this this way and the conversation was usually that right there is why and it it was a safe enough space that the the young woman of color who we tried to make sure was very clear. Your job isn't to teach us, but we really appreciate your your help with this. You know, we should be aware of our own ignorances, and so it would be these healthy conversations to go. No, this is what it sounds like. I know that your intention is this. You know, if if Quinn says this, I don't. As the more I get to know him, I recognize he doesn't realize that it sounds racist to me because he doesn't know my experiences. So I don't take it as offensive. But I may come back later and go, hey, just so you know, food for thought. Blah, yeah. blah, noted. Okay. Yeah, and it's um, I think that the
1: work that we have to do is to include as many people as possible, to expand the, the conversations that were happening, to expand and, and diversify the 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 roles that exist. Uh, mm-hmm. Theater boards should have. A ton more women, a ton more black people, a ton more freaking uh, Colorado, and not having Hispanic representation in a lot of these places also yeah. uh, it is an amazing con- idea that that I can't even wrap my mind around. That like the, the this stuff is not it's hard. That's yeah. that's that's the main thing, you know. You have to put in, like you said, yeah, put in the extra work. Effort. Yeah, you have to put an effort, and are you willing to? Uh, that's another thing, you know, but in many ways, I, I, as myself, um, I don't think I can go back to or write another unidentified play. Um, Because as myself, I think that contributes to what has been a problem, you know, And, and if you have great, good playwrights, just all playwrights, making it so that all new plays are super diverse and, 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 and uh, you, you then force the theaters, if they want to put on new works, to be putting on diverse new works. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and uh, unless we're all doing it, we're just contributing to, to the continuation of what's been wrong with theater. Uh, and I don't know if that's like, that's gonna be something
0: uh, you know but <laughs> I look forward it, to that I that do look shift. forward.
1: yeah and I look forward to the challenge and, and to, to 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 being in rooms where it's funny like before COVID again uh I was at a theater theater reading at Sioux Teatro mm-hmm. um one of maybe three white people in the room uh Half the, 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 the play was in Spanish and I was just sitting there listening and feeding off of the, the emotional energy of the people that are, are experienced the reading and laughing and, uh, you know, like gasping at things. And then I'd pick back up where, because I don't speak Spanish, uh, I'd pick back up in the English places and was still able to provide in to the playwright and uh, to be there. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then I went to, in the middle of COVID, I got invited to another theater for readings that they were going to put on for Black History Month. Uh, And I was masked on in the audience and and listening to, and again, uh, one of a few white people in the room. And that, the thing that I'm getting at is that doesn't happen enough in theater, but all the time, there's going to be the one black person in the play. Right. Or the one black person on the on the crew, or or whatever it is, if there is, you know, and they're the singular person. So how do you make it that they're not the singular person? Right. You know, I think that's the super important piece that that we we have to ensure that we're also doing. Uh, it, it, it's it's the more than one. It's the continuing and having them in conversations for future roles, not just the one role that you're you're doing in the immediate mm-hmm. moment. Where you meet mm-hmm. a black person. Uh 'Cause that makes fucking people feel like shit when, when you're just using them when you when you need them as opposed to wanting them there.
0: Yeah. You know? Uh well that's a that's a, a fine line and I think I'm walking on the wrong side. I won't I won't pretend like I'm not. Where no, it, the last the last couple of shows that I've done or a couple of shows that I've done uh, the main characters are Latino, and and I have a couple of, of associates and colleagues that are of, of of a Latin descent, and I reach out to them. I mean, part of it is with, with Wolverine Theatrics, I'm small enough, I don't hold auditions yet, so it's by invite. Yep. But so it's, you know, I have this core of, of individuals that I reach out to, but it's a very careful conversation every time. And I hope I'm doing them justice and not like, hey, I need you because I need somebody who's... Of Latin descent. yeah, You know. But uh, I. You know the other side of that. I haven't reached out to them. For other shows either. So I know I'm on the wrong side of that fine line. Yeah and it's just something that we have to continue. To try and work and improve on. Um, no one's going to be perfect. Uh, this is an
1: evolution of. All of us as individuals. Uh, mm-hmm. so that Collectively we can be better. Uh, and it takes time. And it takes work. And uh, it takes effort. And if we don't know what's happening, then we just continue blindly through the crap we've been doing, right? Right. But when you become aware of it and you see it, uh, it's tough going back. And, and, and now I'm at a point where it's going to be tough going back and I never want to. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy the diversity of learning about new cultures trying to depict yeah. them within a play or within a screenplay uh, the, uh, or a tv pilot you know uh, i'm working on a tv pilot now that's uh the idea, yeah the idea is uh modern day bullfighting but bullfighting with bulls has been banned because it's inhumane so they actually use like poor people as the bulls oh shit yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is more humane, right? Yeah. Right. Fuck. They uh, stand a better chance.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be, I imagine, uh, set heavily in a Latino world and, and figuring out where the proper avenues and the, 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 the proper way to ensure re- respectable fucking representation Uh throughout the process while I am writing this, but also like what happens when, if it gets picked up by someone mm-hmm. and then it's in a writer's room, you know? Uh, and it, it's crazy because like the representation in the writer's room, diversity in there is not something that necessarily I can control, but you would hope that because the characters within it are heavily Latino. And uh, it's uh, got a female lead and all these things that are within it that you're like, I would like some Latinos uh, in my writers.
2: Sure, Sure.
1: Yeah. Female, yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> like, and, and uh, you hope it, it gets continued that way. And, and so that is not only the the visual portion that you see, but it's also the the, the people behind it. That, right, that, the representation that, behind that, the scenes for sure. They get diversified in return, and, and I would hope that it's the same way with with theater. You know that that as things go on, and uh, that we're seeing more plays get staged that are more diverse, that have different types of representation, that we're going to be including different voices here on out and, and mm-hmm. getting them into the theater families, uh, uh, and and being able to. Well, theater families, such a fucking fucked up term to begin with. Sorry. <laughs> but within theater organizations, um, and being able to uh, start going down a different path, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be this way. And a lot of the times, we choose it to be this way
0: uh, because it's easier to stay. Yeah, because it's easier to stay yeah. for sure. So I have a question, another question for you, um, and this is. Uh, Along the lines of continued theater growth, but it's also a connection back to very early, something you said very early on in our conversation about uh, watching a show from backstage and there were so many blackouts. I forget the title of the show because it was irrelevant. Oh, Bay. Yeah. Yep. Um, have you seen or read anything about the argument right now on Broadway as it slowly starts to open back up from this pandemic, that, that there is a push to get rid of intermissions, that 15, the standard 15 minute intermission and, and as a playwright, what do you feel about that?
1: That um, standard 15-minute intermission is outdated, isn't it, in many ways? But the whole theater format
0: is outdated in many ways. It's not really uh, attachable. Right. <laughs> so I just, I, I'm curious because you, you made that comment about you know, there's so many blackouts, and it just ruins the flow. And the pe- like, there are companies yeah. like if you're a dinner theater, losing that intermission loses your dessert series. Okay, top, yeah, yeah, I'm right there with yeah. you. But yeah. so many, as a director, I'm like, good God, if we just kept going with this, and you know, people got up and peed as they needed to, uh, raise, you know, don't I'm not saying raise the prices for your concessions pre-show and your are already overpriced wine and and beers. But if your audience doesn't need it, why would you ruin the flow for that?
1: well, and embrace technology, right? Yeah. Um, if we have the capability to scan QR codes and get it sent somewhere and someone sees, uh, uh, that table two wants a red wine, uh, I get table two, the red wine. Yeah. It doesn't have to be during intermission. Uh, yeah. but it's funny that the format that we go with to begin with is, uh, they come by my shit at my concession stand. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't use your phone anyway. Uh, all these things that make it that, 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 that the, the people of today don't uh, really understand or, or even want to participate in. You know, I, my, one of my favorite experiences at a theater was it was a late night show and I had just finished working in the booth on another show, but I had brought a six pack of beer <laughs> and I sat for the late night show and I freaking drank my beer. And I'm just cracking beers open as the show's going on, yeah. like beers all around me, having a good fucking time, laughing my ass off, enjoying sure. the show. Um, and it was so not theater; it felt great. Um, and, and that I think that a lot of people, uh, theater
0: goers, have an issue with like the traditional sense of what theater is, and that just uh, yeah. This is how it is. We sit for this long. We yeah. get up. We we complain because it took so long to get to intermission, but nobody gets up to go to the bathroom until the two minute warning. Anyway, no, and I've been told that I always with the bank is not a full length show.
1: Not? not a full length show because it's fifty two
0: minutes. Oh heaven forbid! I disagree like, with that entirely. I don't know who told you that. I, I was think like, it's a that's it's a. Thing? that's insane. It
1: has a beginning, middle, end. It is a complete experience. You, uh, I, as a writer, if I continue uh, beating these people up with all of the things that happen, I'm not going to be able to have the impact that I do in the space that I'm currently using. People are going to get exhausted by it. 52 minutes is right. You know, uh, it, it, but 70 minutes is the preferred length of time that we would have for a one act kind of full length show. Uh, 90 minutes is, is a show that's going to make us have an intermission, you yeah. Know? and this kind of mentality of, of, of what we are, what we present instead of, man, each show is unique in its own. And
0: that to me feels like up. a company who doesn't want to or isn't prepared or capable of adjusting ticket prices according to their show length. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, so you sold my show for $10 because it was 52 minutes versus a 90 minute show that sold for 25 a seat. So, yeah, but it's, and it's just, it's, it's amazing that we're still
1: stuck on those things. So it's like a, the getting rid of intermission. Um, does that get rid of three hour Tony Kushner shows? Cause I would really like to get rid, of, get rid of Kushner shows. Um, I, I'm not into the three hour play. You know, I'm into like 90 minutes, man. Right. Do your business and let's get the hell out of here. It's uh, the same way with movies in many ways for me. Like, I don't need two hours and 40 minutes of this, man. Get your story down to a nice pack, 90. Uh, and I've talked to many audiences about this and what, what uh, streaming has done to their attention span. Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting because like each individual is a different thing. Right. But if we're looking at the younger generation and not the theater generation and and the younger generation is the one that hopefully becomes the theater goers of tomorrow. Right. Um, Right. At some point we have to pay attention to their time and how they view it and how they conceptualize it. And uh, I don't know if we're doing them any justice with a three hour show (laughs) right now. Right. Uh, And I don't know if, like, banning it is is stupid to begin with, but at the same time, like, we're in COVID situation, whatever that means now, it's just the reality of the world. Uh, Hopefully we get to a point where these considerations don't have to happen anymore. And the consideration is actually, do I need to have a fucking intermission? Because I'd rather not have one. Yeah. Uh, i'd rather have my audience kick around here for a little bit and spend money after the show and have access to the artists and to to, to have conversations about what they just saw and to unpack their 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 experience uh agreed i agree yeah you know, i think there's different ways to to sit around and and play with the the other sides of theater uh, that, that are involved in this stuff uh, and that we could be more accessible to a whole bunch of people uh, by, by not following the rules as they've been established. Because uh, I, I don't know, as a playwright, if, if I were sitting there and I had a show that was getting put on and uh, I'm on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that and someone sends a picture of the actors on stage, I would be so fucking elated. That'd be so amazing <laughs> and that breaks like every rule of theater that's that uh, used the phone in the audience <laughs> That's uh... different and modern right mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of theater cats it's like for them it's the the, the the when you start establishing those patterns they're like why aren't you doing this um i need my pattern right? <laughs>
0: I mean, and I, I know that it's there's an yeah. element of it that rides a very fine line of intellectual property and who owns the rights to those photos and who owns the rights to that time. And so that's, I think, where it gets a little fuzzy and there are, there are healthy conversations to be had in that. But like you said earlier, get rid of intermission and let the cat let the audience text and say, hey, table two needs a, a red wine, please. Yeah, well, they're playing on their phone anyway. Yeah, I'm sitting in the back of the house, I could tell you half the audience is on their phone at some point in time during the show. Anyway, and if you're going to be on the phone, I
1: want you using the phone to promote my show,
0: right? Exactly, uh, or to trash my
1: show. Jesus, dude, <laughs> I want you to fucking experience it. Yeah, and have, have, a, have, it have that some way.
0: opinion. Yeah, uh, and voice it,
1: like because uh, I'll take dude. that PR. Well, <laughs> uh, how does it help? anyone, if we're not going to talk about the experience, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we are so willing to do it and communities for television shows, especially uh, communities for movies, communities for music communities for Jesus. So many things, Uh, not as good at theater unless it's what when Hamilton's on Disney yeah everyone's like let's let's see if if, what people thought uh yeah you know Uh, and i was guilty of that i'm like damn man not my shit (laughs) (laughs) why is it not your shit i like rap music uh and this is this is some some something uh it's, it's something else you know and how do we get get people engage at that level within community theater within uh larger theaters within anything uh so that we can not be the stuffy old grandmas uh yeah (laughs) i i I would really like like theater is some amazing amazing stuff uh like freaking i read slave play and i was like holy shit this things like the ballsiest play i've ever fucking read uh the ballsiest play that I've ever had it would be amazing to watch the show and thinking of like the audiences that would be there and the ability for that show in particular to have an interesting conversation as it's going on and post-show and in an online format because of how ballsy it is Mm -hmm. and how and what you just experienced um man it doesn't have to be a stuffy old grandma uh, the theater, in and of itself, is already doing stuff that's that that, that is extremely awesome uh, and, and can be built upon in that kind of sense. You know, it can capture momentum. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's a sure yeah. Sure, theater sure. Capture, a little weird.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to bring this back around to always with a bang. Okay, uh, it's one of the last questions that I try to ask. Uh, Uh, my question for you uh, if you do have one what is your favorite line from this play
1: Mm. the ending the ending Uh, or Lillian's by herself yeah Lillian by herself she's going through it all again and the the subtraction of Caleb Um, they're the exact lines I didn't write well I wrote the ending I mean I wrote the play (laughs) <laughs> but uh, i had a uh i was working I, this had an earlier reading too uh before the theater 29 i had one in maybe 2016 um with wide eye theater west i think was the name of the the group um and it had a different ending and the director that i was working with was like you should really look into the ending and see since the play is so much about echoes, um, if you can tie it back in there and what it would be like if you just subtracted Caleb. And I did it, and I was like, shit, that's so fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that final line, uh, you should have seen your face. Right? Yeah. Uh hmm yeah, still fucks me out. I love it.
0: Wow. That's 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 my favorite one. Well, that's what I I'm curious to hear after that episode airs and you get a chance to listen to it. What I had a I had a uh, directorial shower moment where I know you had listened to what some of our process was and what the things that I was thinking about doing and what I was asking Charlotte, the actress who's playing Lillian. What are some of the things that I was talking to her about what we were doing? And as we were recording, she did exactly what I asked. And I asked her to go back and do it again because I went, uh, I've asked you to do these things and you've done exactly what I'm asking for. If Frank wanted it to sound that way, he would have structured the, the page differently. And so we went back and she treated it more like a monologue with a little bit of, a of, uh, you know, a stop here and there. But it has that same weight as as if Caleb had been completely removed. Yep. But you could just feel it scoop right out of her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that 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 description is exactly like the kind of emotion that I was chasing. Like, like uh, Lillian's such a wonderful character in so many ways. Uh, and, and and that's part.
0: It's so heartbreaking for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See and it's funny because the 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 line that I took from her from the show as one of my favorites, this the big standout is also from her um, it's in the third the third scene when she tells Caleb, you know we're, when they're fighting you we're not in love, she says, the love you think is between us. it's a condition, a direct result of circumstances and environment. And that's where I you know mm-hmm. sprungboard from this idea that we talked about a little while ago about, what happens when the circumstances and the environment dictate the choices that we make of course it's just the two of them so of course he thinks that they're in love and so she's younger but so much wiser but so much dumber at the same time yeah and she has uh what uh
1: in my imagination the, the uh, 30 years of experience on him yeah oh uh, yeah she's been down there with that bell for a very long time uh Yeah, it's a she's she's
0: and she's still there when he leaves. That's the worst part. He gets out and she is refuses to learn and make the adjustments. And it was like, oh, oh, I didn't think you uh, could rip out my other horseshoe kidney. Is he gone or is he just
1: not there in a different place? You know, Uh, I don't think he gets to go somewhere pleasant. I just don't think he's there. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's something in and of itself. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's fun, and especially well, fun. Uh, the idea of afterlife, the idea of what is next, the idea of paying for our our experience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and and what that means in a religious sense, as opposed to a guilt ridden sense, right? Is two people that yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know why he moves on like because i don't know if he
0: uh if he learned yeah that was the, the, the fascinating yeah. thing to me is that he's gone we don't know where we don't know what triggered it i have my theories but i don't yeah. want to share that with anybody just in case they haven't listened to the show first uh so it's yeah. it's this wonderful like i don't
2: know
1: no, and a lot of people ask me after the reading. It's like uh, trying to get me to talk about that portion of it. And uh, I think one of the things that I really love about this play is that it, uh, the, 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 the what one individual can take away from it is completely different from someone else. Right. And so it's not even about... Uh, it's the same thing with uh, the the isolation of Tayama Jones. Um, that play has kind of a similar kind of questionable wildly opening and open ending where i want you to fill in the gaps dude i don't want to do that lifting for you i don't you know i don't need to tell you what exactly happens because it's uh i gave you the silverware but i'm not going to feed you yeah and it's more powerful for for you to fill it out than me mm-hmm. uh I, I took you all this way what happens next dude you know and let them build that. uh man use your imagination have fun with it figure yeah. it out yeah 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 and there's some thick. plays that really work well with that. And there are other plays where it's, uh, uh, or even television shows where it's like, shit, dude, I feel kind of ripped off from that. So it's a delicate balance. I it off. Uh, yeah. But with this one in particular, uh, man, Lillian gets all the good moments. You know, she gets to get the dude a titty twister and uh, <laughs> <laughs> get shit out of him and uh, all these bits of, of Playful violence. Uh, that is still just a, a level of well none of that's playful shit, dude. Getting slapped across the face fucking hurts. Yeah. City Fr- pictures Fr- t- aren't fun either. <laughs> so it's like, where is this balance of like how we treat people? And especially when we are younger, and especially when we don't know better and come from a complicated backgrounds. Um Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, For me at least, I get complicated backgrounds. I'm I'm a kid who uh, left home at 18 years old right after I barely graduated high school, joined the freaking army to get away as quick as possible, and have barely been home since. Uh you know, and I to be someone like that takes an experience. Uh you don't go fucking walking away from people for no reason. Uh yeah. And so it's like the complications of, of our life stories and where we go when we're done with it is an interesting thing uh, when, when you carry the weight of guilt. So, so that's a nice little examination of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Agreed. Thank you. Yeah, that's it for the th- what what I had as far as conversation planned and, and plenty of of wonderful musings as we deteriorated out of. Of Of what I had. So thank you for that. Again, I have a uh, uh, Frank a Terry, the playwright for always with a bang joining me today to discuss his his background in, in playwriting uh, the, the show always with a bang, as well as several others that he's written uh, as we converse this this afternoon uh Frank as we as we wind down today is there anywhere that we can look for you i know you've said you've listed about four or five different org companies that you're working with is there anything that we should be uh, our audience should be looking for where we can look for you uh if they're interested in more of your plays um i have a couple plays on the what is that the national new play network uh-huh.
1: uh which is nnpn.org i believe um not on social media anymore. So that's that's somewhere you can't find me, uh, which isn't very helpful. Uh, <laughs> if things open back up and the program's still around, I will be part of uh, DCPA's next playwrights group,
0: uh, and that's the Denver Center for Performing Arts. Yep, uh, which which was exciting and would be awesome if if that if that comes true.
1: Um, otherwise, I am, man, I sit in Arvada in the basement all the time. <laughs> in the uh, um, no, I'm pretty hard to find, actually. Um, and it's uh, kind of fun like that. Uh, yeah, I don't work with any uh, theater groups anymore in, in a very direct way. I, I uh, participate with, with Theater 29 uh, and work with them sometimes. Uh, and so they're, they're a little Denver theater company uh, mm-hmm. run by a bunch of playwrights. Uh, some really talented people, including uh, Ellen Grant and Candidate, uh, excellent players. Um, I used to be at the Rough Draft Playwright uh, things events, uh, that were at Jesus Walnut Room, uh, I think was the last place that we're hosting them, but their last event was their last event, so <laughs> um, I don't think they're around anymore, and okay. uh, yeah, otherwise, some. Um, in my basement, in Arvada. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we'll see and, if
0: we can't find other ways to help you get your work out there even more. Um, yeah, yeah and
1: uh, at some point I should probably create a website or something uh, <laughs> I have to have a social media presence, right? Uh, and, and that might help. Uh, and then I could have like an email address or something, but <laughs> <laughs> like otherwise I'd be giving out my personal one. I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, so, well, if anybody yeah, exactly. is, is
0: is really really wants to get in touch with you, they're free to 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 email us here at the website uh, at 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 Wolverine Theatrics. Uh, our our new email address is Wolverine Theatrics at gmail.com. If you're really interested, like I said, fire us some questions about Frank, and I'll see. Uh, I'll I'll pl- happily play the middleman there.
1: Oh, excellent! Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, the the anonymity is a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. And it's uh, I'm not ready to come out of my come out of my shell yet. <laughs> sure, sure. sure. Um, but at some point, I'll get back on. Well, no, I won't. Uh, like I'll get back on, on Facebook, and I'm, no, I actually won't. Uh, they're awful. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Facebook users. Um, and Twitter. You're allowed to have like your that. opinion. It's totally fine. Yeah. No. It's a it's it's an amazing society where we're connected all the time, and. and uh, the ability to walk away is very hard Uh, so it's a it was earned this time uh in the six months of peace and quiet i haven't been happier in in a little bit so in case you guys can tell this is a happy voice (laughs) (laughs) and i think about happy things with my happy place so uh
0: yeah, well, with no, tongue-in-cheek, uh, I'm going to thank you, Frank, for sharing this show with us. And and uh, I'll let us both walk away from this. And and like I said, tongue-in-cheek, I was an absolute blast working with you, uh, reading the couple of plays and coming down and working with this one specifically with Always With A Bang. So thank you so much.
1: No, and I appreciate uh, the, the work you guys did. Uh, like I said, you guys found a lot of humor that uh, I didn't even realize it was there and it was so nice to, to hear it read like that good, good. Uh, an absolutely different experience from the other ones uh, so thank you uh, thank i appreciate you. it
0: thank you for joining us for always with a bang by playwright frank a oteri featuring the voice talents of charlotte movizo justin glover oscar whitney jr and and Megan Trumbo-McDonald. If you've been enjoying our content, please head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash Wolverine Reads and consider becoming a patron. We are passionate about creating and celebrating new theater. Becoming a patron helps us to continue creating and improving our craft. And from all of us at Wolverine Theatrics, thank you for listening, liking, and sharing.